Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When Pastor Bob and I were planning our sermon series on Nehemiah, I was pleased to see that we get to wrestle with this text on Reformation Day because there's some really cool connections that we can make between Nehemiah, Martin Luther, and even our church here at South Shore Trinity, and they all have to do with this one word, vision. Now, as we spent this last year reflecting on the years, this church's uh, 75 years of history, we remember that a small group of people in 1943 had a vision. These pioneers took a risk. In the very midst of World War II, as our country was recovering from the Great Depression, these founding members of South Shore Trinity stepped out in faith and began to touch people's lives here in White Bear Lake. If you charted the path of the beginning, it would look something like this. It's a little curve upward, and you see three words there. The bottom left, it says birth. The middle one is growth. And at the top, it says maturity. At the start of the curve upward, despite the risk and uncertainty, there is, more importantly, this sense of, of energy, of excitement, of sharing. Relationships are starting and, and deepening. A sense of shared purpose and meaning is present, and there is a, a dedication and investment in the future. And this curve is defined really by a palpable culture of hope. As God's people step out in faith, trusting God will bless their efforts. And yes, during this time, people faced challenges not only in their own personal lives, but organizationally as well. They were not immune to the effects of sin. In fact, they probably were more apparent. But what made the difference was that sense of hope, believing that their best days were ahead of them, not behind them. And, what, and that God was actively working in and through them. But the start of this path doesn't belong only to churches or to organizations, but it belongs to life as well, individual lives. I want you to think back and remember your youth, that birth, growth on into maturity. Do you remember how optimistic you were? And maybe you still are, and that's, that's great. But there's this energy and optimism that seems to go hand in hand with youthful life, right? Well then, what comes next? The rest of the path often looks like this. So we have a curve that goes up and back down. We have gro birth, growth, maturity, give way then to maintenance, decline, and death. We know this is true in our lives as we've watched those older than us follow that second half of the path, be it our parents, maybe our grandparents. Maybe you yourself feel personally like you might be on the second half of the path. Maybe you don't have the energy you once did. Maybe you aren't nearly as optimistic as you once were. And maybe there's a lack of hope beginning to grow in you. But like how this curve can be applied to life, it's applied to organizations and churches as well. I want you to take a minute and take a look at that curve, and I want you to quietly to yourself 
mentally place South Shore Trinity on where you think our church is on that path. Where would you say we are on the curve? Now, as you ponder that, I want you to know there's another person who's identified the existence of this curve. And the person I'm talking about was none other than Martin Luther in the 1500s. Though there's no visual proof of him drawing the curve, Martin Luther's actions show that he might have thought of the church this way. Because when he looked at the church he was part of, he began to think. And sadly, the hope, excitement, and energy of the early church the, in the workings of Paul and Timothy and John and those first believers of Christ, and when he compared it to what he saw in his day, he saw a marked decline. This once vibrant and life-changing, freeing people from the bonds of enslavement of sin and releasing people from the weight of the law on account of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection from the, from the dead to new life, Martin Luther saw that as a thing of the past. Now he looked at his beloved church and the institution it had become, and he saw, at best, maintenance. He saw decline happening, and at worst, eventual death. No longer did people know and share the gospel of God and the forgiveness of sins freely given. They only knew of a God with unreachable expectations, a God of wrath, of duty, and of guilt. Sadly, Luther had, become, had come to this realization after he himself was victim of this viewed skew of God. He himself, by the suffering of his soul and the torment of his existence, turned to God's word, grasping for anything that would help him out of the pit that he found himself in. And he found it. In this watershed moment, he found the truth in Scripture, that it's by grace he had been saved through faith in Jesus, Jesus who, who paid the price of the sin that weighed on Luther's soul. And this wasn't just a message for Luther, but for the whole world, for all of creation. And it was in this moment that his life was changed forever. He was moved to action. And because of it, Luther found himself in a similar situation as Nehemiah did, standing before a ruler, resolute in knowing the drastic change that needed to take place. You see, both men were grieved when they took stock of the situation they were part of. When Nehemiah heard of the broken down gates and the broken down conditions of the attitudes and the great shame that the people of Jerusalem bore, it cut him to his soul. And when Luther experienced that same shame, bearing the weight of guilt, seemingly having no way of escaping a broken down system of never being good enough for God, they both turned to God, looking for a way for him to fix this. Nehemiah took up the change, the yoke of change. And when he had opportunity in the presence of King Artaxerxes, he asked him that he be given leave to rebuild the city walls. Not only that, he was so bold as to make a request for the very material he would need to do it. And by God, it was granted to him. 
Nehemiah 2.8 says, And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. That same good hand of, of God was upon Luther, too, at the Diet of Worms as he stood before Emperor Charles V and refused to recant his teachings because Luther's teachings were a rediscovery, a, a recovery of the truth of the gospel found in Scripture, one where forgiveness of sins was freely given by a loving God, not sold at a prophet by a corrupted institution as a fundraiser to build a church. And though both men might have put the assemblies of God's people on that second half of the curve, that downward slope, both men had a vision. A vision of a new beginning, a, a rebirth, a renewal, a second chance at life. And this can be illustrated as, as a curve with another curve that looks something like this. We see the first original curve, but at the beginning of that downward slope, we see a new curve take its place. This visioning, this looking for new hope at a new beginning, this turning from death to new life, is what is possible when God's good hand is upon it. And not only does God direct and guide institutions, churches, organizations to new life, but he does so in our own daily lives as well. And it's this new curve that reflects our own individual lives of repentance, of faith, of salvation. This new curve that intersects our life is where Jesus intersects our lives, especially when it comes to our souls. You see, spiritually, apart from him, we are destined to maintenance, decline, and death. But on account of him, intersecting our lives, he gives us new life, new growth, new maturity. And because of that, we can have hope. We can look to the future, not with dread or guilt or, or fear, but we can have confidence and trust that our best days are ahead of us. And when we consider the curve that intersects our path as a church, again, we can look with hope. Yes, we need to celebrate our heritage. We have a strong foundation in the theological tradition began by Martin Luther and other reformers. We have a rich tradition that we celebrate each week as we share the bread and the cup and as the word of God is preached. Our roots go deep. And we must cherish our tradition. The new things of God that he is doing in our midst do not begin today. We are not starting from scratch as if we are the source of the future. God is at work as the Spirit builds upon the shoulders of the men and women of faith that stand in our past. At the same time, though, the future cannot simply be a repetition of the past. While our deep roots feed our future, the future that God has for us will branch us in new directions. For some, this is exciting. For others, not so much. For others, it can be scary, maybe even threatening. But like Nehemiah and Luther, they both stepped out in faith. They were both honest. Even when it put their lives in danger, they were bold and they were prepared. 
And if we follow their example, when we look at the world around us, the neighborhoods we belong to, we too can be honest. We see people's lives are crumbling around us. Despite White Bear Lake being above average when it comes to median income, we still have in our community poverty, drug addiction, homelessness, loneliness, hunger, and pain. Our community needs hope. And who is going to offer to them if not us? And so as you pray about South Shore and the visioning that's going to take place, please add to your prayers that we, like Nehemiah and Luther, are honest, that we're bold, and that we're prepared. Because God is charting a path for us that will change people for eternity. Amen.